be a finisher. How many of y'all want to be a finisher? I am famous, famous for starting things and not, you know, not getting to the end of it this year or next. Usually I finish things when somebody leans on me, but this year I'm changing. So I'm going to ask you, uh, this is 2 Timothy. I don't know where that is. It's in the, it's in the New Testament. So uh, we're going to ask you, what is your 2019 name? Today's the 13th of January, so we can start it out. Are you going to be, are you, is your uh, mantra, is, your, is the label over your head this year? Is it steadfast? This year I'm going to be steadfast. Just call me steadfast. Or are you going to be faithful? I'm not going to slack. I'm going to be faithful. Is your name going to be easygoing? I'm used to being jittery. I'm used to being nervous. But this year, nope, I'm going to be easygoing. Are you a starter? Like, I like to start stuff. I think I'll be starter in 2019. When's the last time you did something for the first time? I'm going to start something. Or are you just plotter? P-L-O-D-D-E-R, plotter, like, do-do-do-do, here I go, you know, I always have and I always will. I'm not going to get in a hurry, I'm not going to wind up over anything, I'm just a plotter. My name in 2019 is Finisher. We're going to finish this year. There's a lot of things that we've started, but we're going to finish. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has started or begun a good work. Anybody in here got a good work started? Got things going. Reading through the, reading through the New Testament and Genesis and some Psalms and some Proverbs this year. You ought to pick that up. You ought to, if you get behind today or 17, you ought to just catch up and go on. It's every day. You ought to eat, eat the word every day, right? Amen. But uh, that's a good thing to start. It's a good thing to finish. You can get behind and say, oh, I'm so far behind. There's no need. Wrong thinking. We're finishers this year. I am a finisher in 2019. My name is Finisher. I am Michael Finisher Billings. Amen. Anybody got a new name this morning? Who's finishing? I'm finishing. I'm going to finish that. Let me read it again to you. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will finish it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's look here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to read it together. It's an instruction to the, uh, the son Timothy from his uh, spiritual father Paul. Verse 15, ready, read. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Here it is, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm going to rightly divide. Did you know that you can take the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, God's holy word, which has one intention, one slant, one attitude, and you can make it say almost anything. Oh, actually, you can make it say anything. I've got that proven because there's 173,000 denominational slants in this world that have taken this book and made it say anything. They, this book talks about healing, but you can talk to people that have finessed healing out of the Bible. The book talks about supplying all your need. They've taken the word of good and not rightly divided it and taken it out of the Bible, taken prosperity taken supply out of the Bible. They've taken the grace of God out. They've taken out salvation by grace. They've taken all the stuff that's right and good, and they've taken it out and reworked it and put it back in. The Jehovah Witnesses have their own version of the Bible called the World Translation, and it's taken the blood out, the blood of Jesus. It's taken the virgin out and made her a young maid, taken all the things that make who we are who we are and changed them. So our job is not to point at them and say, y'all are crazy, but to point at ourselves and say, don't be crazy. Rightly divide the word of truth. Look at it like God sent it. Even though it's hard sometimes, sometimes it's a little, it's a little touchy. Sometimes it's a little bit, that's awful close. That's awful personal, Lord. And just say, but that's to me. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, that don't you know, don't you know, Rome, don't you know that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. 
The word repentance is change. Don't you know that it's not God smacking you and, and hitting you and taking away your babies and your job and making you sick? It's not those things that makes you change. It's the goodness of God. So when bad things happen, when mess is all around, when, when, and when thunder's coming down in your life, we don't say, that was God. That was God. I did bad things, and he's mad. He's ticked. He's hot. Nope, that wasn't the goodness. That wasn't God. That was the devil. That was the curse. That was seed time and harvest. That was not God. It's the goodness of God. He just keeps coming at you with blessing, with opportunity, with another way to go. God just keeps coming at you and saying, you know, it's pretty tough down there. Let me bless you with this. Let me show you how this works. So we got to put on the grace of God to finish in 2019 everything that he started. Has he started some things? Absolutely. God is a starter, but he's a finisher. But I want to remind you that everything people have going on in their life doesn't mean God necessarily started it. Here's his side of it. His side is he's obligated to finish everything he starts. If he starts it, he's going to take it to the end. But because I started it doesn't mean it's going anywhere. Y'all ever had troubles in a little project? You got to step back and make sure who is the author and the finisher of this. I know we started it, but I may have started it because I did. I've started a church without him. How can you start a church without God? Just meet with me after the service and I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> I know all about it. And he was not obligated to finish it. God, this is a church. It's not a liquor store. It's not a smoke joint. It's a church. You'll, you'll finish this. No, that's not what I had for you or for that city or for River Church. No. So we finally just said, you know, we better get out of something God didn't start. His grace, his blessing, it wasn't on there. It wasn't that God was against us. He wasn't trying to stop it, but he just let us run with what we had to run. You know you could miss it trying to start a church. It's not like, you know, you're trying to make money on the side with, uh, with uh, you know, with something illicit, you know, gambling or something like that. Oh, I'm, I'm going to rob a little bank here and pay my tithes. It wasn't that. It was a good thing. It was a good thing. But it wasn't a God thing. So here's my point. He's obligated to finish everything he starts. So we all have to go back and examine everything we're in and make sure he's the author of this. Did you start this, Lord? And then you can always go back, and you should. You should document. What did he say when you started it? Everything that's good and great that you've ever been involved in had a glorious start and had a demonic middle. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy everything good that you started. Why are we surprised? Why are we like, well, God, you said start this. What is this trouble? What is this thing I'm going through? If you started it, it ought to be good. Wrong, Bob. That's not the answer. The answer is, is if you started God, steal, kill, and destroy. The devil has come. But the very thing, the grace that got you started, is the thing that will carry it to the end. So you just, having done all the stand, you just stand there for. You just stay on the word. You just stay on the promise. You just outlast the devil. Outlast the trouble. Outlast the liar with the truth. And you finish. That's what I want to talk about. In uh, Mark chapter 4, would you turn there with me? Let's be, let's be a finisher this morning. 2019, the Lord told me it would be a year we would never forget. Amen. And never forget. We'll never forget this year. Usually we just forget those traumatic years. I mean, we just remember those traumatic years. Well, what were you doing in 06, 04, 03? What were you doing that you go, oh, that was a year. If you tell me about something, it was either that you won the lotto because you found a ticket, right? You found a ticket in the parking lot. You, you didn't buy one, but you found one. Hallelujah. And... Uh, 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 my little brother, he, you know, I was in the ministry, and he was always just antagonizing me. So for Christmas, he would buy my son Texas lotto tickets. He just loved it. He just knew. He thought it would get under my skin, you know, because, uh, you know, family, aren't they fun? He, he, yeah, hallelujah. So uh, uh, 
you, you just got you got to you got to be involved in what God's involved in. Here it is in Mark chapter four. I love this. This is the this is the scripture that I read the first time I preached in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in two thousand and seven. No, excuse me, nineteen ninety seven. Excuse me. Chapter four of Mark. Let's look in verse thirty five. Here's a story. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, the Lord Jesus saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Let's read that together. Let us pass over unto the other side. And I want to remind you that that is the same word that he's giving to you, every one of you, every day. You want to know what's in your email, your voicemail, your hard mail, your whatever that's coming from God? He is always saying, Michael, let us pass over to the other side. You never got a message that says, you know, today's, it's a little cloudy today, and I'm not feeling real robust, and I got a lot of stuff going over in the Philippines. Why don't you just park it today, and we'll see what this looks like tomorrow. Every day, he's saying, Justin, let us pass over to the other side. It's not that where you are is not a good side. It wasn't that you didn't pass over to that side that you're on to get away from another side and that it was a glorious day, but a glorious day fades away to another day, and you got to have the grace and the, and the glory that's in tomorrow. You can't live on tomorrow, today's grace, tomorrow. Are y'all here? Amen. So he said, let us pass over into the other side, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm. You know, if it just said there was a storm, you'd go, wow. But it says a great storm, a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and saith unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You know, they kind of jumped on the Lord Jesus. You know, it was the wind blowing, not Jesus that was over there trying to knock a hole in the bottom of the, of the boat. It was, uh, he, he was minding his business, but they jump on him. Lord, it's your fault. Do you all know any Christians that kind of jump on the Lord when trouble comes? What? What's this, Lord? What? I'm doing your will. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cussing today. I ain't cussed since yesterday. I, I'm, I, I'm, what are you yelling me for? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the wind, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Well, verse 40, And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now, you don't want that from the Lord. Listen, Michael, why is it that ye have no faith? It's an indictment. It's not good to hear you have no faith. Because there's one thing that we do as Christians, one thing we transitioned out. I know we all think that uh, we transitioned out of hell into heaven, and we did. And we transitioned out of turmoil and confusion into peace, and we did. But the main thing that we transitioned out when we got born again is we transitioned out of sense living to faith living. That's who we are. It's not something we do. It's who we are. We're wired different now. Uh... <laughs> If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, since living, have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've, I've been changed from the inside out. I was still a little crusty the day after I got born again. Well, I was real crusty, hallelujah. But on the inside, I was brand spanking new. And that light began to illuminate and burn off the junk mess and the crud and the, and the old thinking. And not instantly, but... Instantly inside, but residually outside. And we live by faith. So when the Lord, after you've been born again a season, a time, and he's given you his word, he's talked to you on the inside, the inward witness, still small voice. He's pointing things out all the time, saying, let's go here and let's do that. For him to say you have no faith is pretty tough. It's pretty tough. He didn't say, did you have any money? He didn't say, why aren't you happy today? He said, you didn't have any faith. That means you hadn't done anything. It means you're a baby. It means you're pre-K. Pre-K? You know, that covers everybody. Hallelujah. So uh, uh, this word Passover, I want to go back up to verse uh, uh, 35. The word Passover, we've looked at this before, but you might want to put it in your margin. It means to pierce through. It's more than 
going from point A to point B. The word means to pierce through. Let us pierce through the other side. So right there you get a connotation that there's an obstacle, there's a resistance, there's something that's more than just putting the sail up and getting your lemonade out and, you know, grilling your hot dog and turning it over and getting ready to have a big time as you go over to the other side. It's a pierce through. Everybody, all hands on deck. We're going to pierce through. Kind of like a, battle, a battering ram sort of thing. Like, like we're going to go to the other side. And the other side means we're going to have to pierce through the middle. From the moment we leave till the moment we dock on the other side, there's a piercing through. Do you all know this is life? This is life. Hardly anything, if anything, that's worth having is just sail over, just sashay to the other side. There is a piercing through. And sure enough, a great storm came up and they had to pierce through it. And the Lord Jesus had to, the boat was full, full of water. You know, boats, they're not supernatural. They get full of water, they go to the bottom. You're doing the backstroke to shore. Well, it's a long ways to shore, so you're going to die. Because you didn't pierce through. You didn't, you didn't go to the other side. Been better not to go than to go to the middle and die. Amen. So when's the last time you did something for the first time? You got to pierce through. You got to get yourself up. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. How many of the boys in the boat heard the word of God? Let us go to the other side. Was that the word of God? Was that not the Lord Jesus saying, we're going? Now, if he said, let us go, that must mean it is good to go. It must mean that there is a power to go, a grace to go, and that it is, it is the will of God to get there. He didn't say, let's try, let's launch out and just take a shot at it. He said, we're going to the other side. So there's power. Listen, listen, there's power to go to the other side. He didn't say there wasn't obstacles. He just said, there's enough in my word for you to get to the other side. Point to yourself with me and say, hey, you, you. go to the other side. That's what your life is. You didn't just get saved to sit. You didn't just get sit to park, saved to park. You didn't you just didn't get saved to enjoy life. They polled Christians. They took a poll of Christians and said, uh, what is your what are you supposed to be doing with your life? And 66 percent of them said, enjoy the pleasures of living. That's what I am as a Christian, is to enjoy the pleasures of giving. I think, I think a bunch of them got it wrong. How about y'all? We're to do the will of God. We're, go, we're supposed to go to the other side. And in that, the grace gives us a great life. There's a lot of pleasure in obeying God. Actually, people say, you know, I want to do everything I can before I get saved, before I commit to God. I want to have all the fun, go to all the parties. I want to, I want to smoke it and snort it and drink it and, and whatever people do. I want to do all that because I know when I get to be a Christian, there will be no fun. Wrong. The way of the transgressor is hard. Life is good when it's life and life to the full. Woo-hoo! But you do have to pierce through to the other side. But as a sinner, as someone that's without God, they're piercing when they get up. Every breath is a pierce. They, they're, they're surrounded with trouble. And we're living above it. Praise God. Let's turn over here to Mark chapter 10. Look at it again. These boys failed in their faith. Would you say? Would you say they fell short of the glory of God? They failed in their faith. They didn't finish. I said they didn't finish. The Lord saved them, but they didn't finish. It was a sad thing. It wasn't that going to the other side, there was a bucket of gold or there was, you know, mansions or whatever. It was the will of God. And every time you win in faith, victory begets victory. Every time you win a battle here, you are emboldened to take on something new and something big there. Winning victory begets victory. On the other hand, when you lose, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, a lot of people get depressed, they get uh, reticent, they don't want to do anything because they've been whooped. Amen. Well, it says in Mark chapter 10, we're looking along this thing about uh, being a finisher. Chapter 10, verse 15. Um, it says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, 
he shall not enter therein. Now, that's the truth, isn't it? I said it's in the Bible. It's the truth. You've got to receive the kingdom of God as a little child. How many of y'all know this makes it available to everybody? If you don't have to be real smart and real intelligent and real quick and real whatever, you can receive the kingdom of God. I'm so glad the Lord made a way for me. Hallelujah. And it says, and he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, blessed them. And we had gone forth into the way. There came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do that I should inherit eternal life? So this is a Jewish man that recognized the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. So the man qualified himself based on the criteria that Jesus offered. Lots of Christians are that way. You say, uh, if you were to die, you, you ask somebody, if you were to die, and we all die, everybody dies, and you were to go up to a place and, and uh, God was to meet you, and that's kind of in the realm of how things work, and he were to say, Johnny Bob, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And almost invariably, when I ask it, and I do it all the time, they say, I've tried to live a good life. They, they, there's parentheses around that. I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to not hurt people and to get along and just stay out of people's way. And, you know, you always say, well, do the Muslims do that? Well, yeah. How about the Buddhists? Are they, are they wild-eyed and crazy? Well, yeah, but they, they try to get along. So what, what makes you unique? What makes you special? Why should God said, you know, that's good enough for me? Well, that's not the answer, is it? Being good is not the answer. Good is not the password. It's not the key. It's not the, it's not the opener to heaven, being good. Matter of fact, you could be on death row because you actually killed those 10 people. And you loved it, and you enjoyed it, and you talked about it. And now you're on death row, and uh, uh, at the last minute, uh, Preacher John comes down, and you, you give your heart to Jesus. I mean, and then he, he steps out, and they walk you down there, and they strap you up, and you're, you're gone. Will that man go to heaven or to hell? Well, almost everybody. I'm, I went to the jail for, for years, and, and it makes them mad because almost everybody says, he's going down. He killed 10 people. He's going down. I said, well, how about a grandma that loves her grand sugars and goes to church? But for some reason, some reason, she just being in church, she never made Jesus the Lord of her life. She knew about God and was acquainted to his kingdom, but she never did receive him. But she went to, to God and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? And, and she said, because I've done good. I've been in church all my life. Where does she go? Where does she go? And I ask these inmates, and I say, where, where does she go? And all of them have a grandmother. It's the only link a lot of them have to the outside world. Their parents are gone, but they've got grandma. And boy, they're giving her a thumbs up. So I tell them, well, the man that's got 10, 10 murders on his sheet, he went to heaven. Jesus welcomed him in, just like Billy Graham. But grandma, she went to the pit of hell where there's a lot of fire. And uh, actually, I can tell you this. They stood up, and they were mad, the boys in this cell. They told me, never let someone get between you and the door. That's what they told me. So I backed up to the door. They were mad. They did not want Grandma going to the fire, and they wanted this man. Of course, they related because they were all in the county jail. They wanted this man going down. Isn't that funny that they would not give him mercy when they were in the jail? But that's how it was. And that's how almost, almost everybody is. They want to have a conditional relationship that just says, I'm, God understands that I didn't have a parent, my, my parents did this, I was raised this way. Everybody wants to say, I have a pass. I said, everybody has a pass. If you go and talk to people, everybody has a pass. But in fact, this word tells us what the pass is. No one coming to the Father except by me. It's the only pass there is. The way, the way to heaven is narrow. The way to destruction is wide. No pass. Well, I had a hard time. Yeah, 
I hope you I was hoping you'd understand. I I did. I sent Jesus. Well, we're not talking to the people about that. You're not dealing with that. But the problem here is, is that uh, Jesus, if we go there, he he said all these things I've observed from my youth. Jesus withholding him, uh, beholding him, loved him and said to him, one thing thou lackest. What do you lack? Jesus told him one thing thou lackest. Do y'all think there might have been more than one thing? You know, the Lord only just works on one thing at a time. Y'all say that's good. That's good. He only works on one thing. As far as he's concerned with you, there's just one thing that thou lackest. He's not working on a hundred things. Do you think he could? A hundred would be a blessing for me sometimes. You say, Lord says, I'm just going to work on a hundred. So we can set this thousand back for a few days. Amen. No, he's, he's working on one thing. He's pulling on you in one thing. One thing. We don't multitask that well, y'all. One thing. And he said, one thing thou lackest, and for you, this particular man, in this particular situation, he said, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Well, that's good news, because right then, right then, there is one problem and one answer. He didn't say, and now when you get through with that, I got some things to talk to you about. Don't y'all know, the Lord's just glad all the time. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. So he said, there's just one thing you lack. He didn't say he had to go be in poverty. He didn't say he had to give up everything. He said, get on a program to give to the poor. Get your lordship off of things and on me. That's what he's saying. He doesn't want anybody to be poor. He, he, through his poverty, we were made rich. He's not trying to make anybody poor. He wasn't telling this man to go be poor. That's not the, even though this is old covenant, that's not the way old covenant worked. As poor is better. Poverty is, is, is virtue. It's not. It's never. God's never mad at you having stuff. But he's always not happy when stuff has you. He wants Jesus to be in the, in the driver's seat. And then when he's Lord, you can handle anything. When Jesus is Lord, you can have $100,000 and he'll say, I need to move $90,000 over into this ministry. Would you do that for me? Uh, yeah, this weekend will be good. And you're like, sure, Lord, I am just the clerk. I am just the clerk. If this stuff's in my name because it's better for clerks to have it in their name and move it according to the king, but I am just the clerk. Point yourself with me and say, I'm just the clerk. You are just the manager. You're just the steward. It's his stuff. It's his stuff. But you can do with it whatever you want. You're in the room, the counting room all by yourself. You can write checks to yourself all day long. I mean, if they're good. You don't have to give any to Jesus. And he still likes us. But you can't get done much with your life, and you sure can't be happy. So what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to make myself the clerk. So one thing thou lackest. Everybody in here has one thing thou lackest. You need to get up and say, I wonder what my one thing is. And he's already been talking to us. He's already been saying, deal with this. It's in the way. It's in the way. It's in the way. It's in the way. Well, Lord, there's a lot of stuff out there. Well, we're not talking about that. This is the key. This is the linchpin. This is the, this is the trigger. If you'll pull this one, everything else, a lot of stuff will fall into place. And it's all, everything he's talking to you me about is not about sin. Well, cut your hair and get you dressed this way and get you, get you, you know, he's not talking about, he's talking about things that move us to the Lordship of Jesus. Everything is solved in the Lordship of Jesus. There's a lot of clutter, a lot of things trying to get on that podium, on that pedestal, on that place where he is. A lot of stuff wants to be up there. Mainly, usually, it's me. What about me? Well, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that the Gentiles, that's everything that the world says you need. You need a new car? It's in there. Oh, the Lord doesn't want us to have new cars. All the things the Gentiles have, do they have new cars? Better than the church. Where are they living? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what he said. The Lord Jesus said, seek me, get me first, give it to me first, and everything. I've got everything the world has, and everything I have, I'll make it available to you. But without putting me first, 
You just got to go fight with the heathens. You just got to go fight with the Gentiles. You just got to go compete with them and, you know, dog eat dog and early bird gets the worm and get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. You got to have a competition. You got to have, you got to get in the fight. I don't want to get in the fight anymore. It's just so much easier just to make him Lord with my money, with my time, with my affections. Just make him first. Just say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I like what you like. And if you don't like it, I don't want it. I don't, I'm not, I don't even, we're not even going to fuss about it. Lord, could you, could you like this a little bit so I could like it? No, I'm, I just like, if he doesn't like it, I'm done. I've rode motorcycles for years. I love motorcycles. I've had a big time. I like, it's amazing I could ride one because there's not a lot of room between my inseam and the ground. And motorcycles, you know, you got to straddle them. Do y'all get what I'm saying? <laughs> They're made for tall people. <laughs> and then, but you know, and he liked me riding motorcycles. He, he picked it out for me. I had his bike and I was having a blast. But one day he said, this is enough. This is, it's enough. I don't know why, but he said, this is enough. And I put it up for sale. Sold that little punk and it was a gold wing. It was, oh, it's beautiful. I never laid it down. I never dropped it. I ne it was it was a wonderful thing. One time coming back from Foster's, I can't tell this in public, but I said, I wonder what this puppy will do. It's got a six-cylinder under it. It's bigger than some cars. And that thing will go 125 miles an hour. Of course, if your front tire blows out, you're going to see Jesus sooner than you thought. <laughs> so maybe it was that little trip that he said, it's time, it's time. You're not good with this anymore. But anyway, back to the story. This man was not prepared. He was not excuse me. He was not prepared to be used by God. Say amen right there. This man, he said, I've done everything from my youth. I'm your A1 good guy. I'm in. I'm the man. Look, look no further. I, I am the one. I'm not messing around. I'm doing it your way, Lord. He said, no, not that much. We can't use. Now, tradition says this is the funnest part because he was not a finisher. The Bible says he went away sad, doesn't it? If you look down there somewhere, it says he went away sad because he had much. But the, the tradition of men is, is this man got it together down the road and came back around in the kingdom and his name was Barnabas, the encourager. Lots and lots of scholars say that's who he was. He finished eventually. There's hope for all of us, isn't there? Amen. Let's go to John. Y'all got room for just a little more? Uh, John chapter 20. I'm saying be a, be a finisher. This man was disqualified. And, God, and Jesus said, only one thing thou lackest. He didn't give him a list that overwhelmed him and tell him, you know, you, you're not using the right laundry detergent and, and you're parking your donkey wrong. And he didn't give him a big thing that, that just overwhelmed him. He just said, I need you to loosen up. I need you to loosen up. He wasn't even asking him to give the money to him. Did, Jesus didn't say, you know, I need you to hand over some. He just said, give to the poor. It wasn't even Jesus that was saying, hey, can you help a little road ministry here? But he was interested in equipping this man to be used in the kingdom. I'm telling you that the Lord wants to equip you to be used in the kingdom. But one thing thou lackest. Oh, not me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more than one, but we're just going to talk about one right now. And what is it? I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it is laziness. I don't know if you're just backslid. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the world. Hallelujah. But we all got something. Something's going on that keeps us from pulling the trigger and saying, I'm the one. I'll do anything you say. I'll go wherever you want. I'll stop that and I'll start that. Whatever you say, just tell me and I'm on it. And that's all he wants. And many times the Lord will ask you or put you in a position where you surrender all. Give it all. Lord, whatever you say, that's my way. Whatever you like, I'm in. And then when you say, Lord, I'll do it, he'll say, okay, I just need you to cool it. Chill. Didn't want anything from you. You know, he, he asked Abraham. <laughs> he asked Abraham to put Isaac on the, on the, the big wood pile. And, and Isaac was in the safest place there was in the whole world on that day. Because Abraham would only do what God said. And God is good. Did y'all ever think about that? Oh, poor Isaac. He, it was close. It was never close. 
And it's never close for you. Abraham was God's man. And you can be God's man, God's woman. And the people around you and under you, they'll be the safest on the planet. Because God will always rescue you if you're a finisher. I said, if he knows you'll follow through, he'll put money in your account. Because you might go to church or you might go somewhere. And he says, you know that money that, uh, that you just got? I need half of it. We, we always, all my life in the kingdom, in the ministry, whenever somebody gave us a $100 bill, we, kinda, we were glad, but we went, oh. Because you'd put that $100 bill in your billfold and almost always. Do you all know what I'm fixing to say? The Lord would say, hey, you know that 100 in your billfold? Yeah, it's, in the, it's, it's the she money. It's in the she money that she don't know I have money. I got, I got, it's my she money, and it's over there, under there, and nobody knows I've got it. She doesn't know I have it. Yeah, but I know, he said. He said, let's put that in the offering, or let's go do this. Y'all don't know about she money? Oh, yeah, I got to tell you about she money. But well, we'd get a $100 bill for birthday or, you know, something. It's like, oh, I got three of them, but, you know, only one's going to be with me, and if that's if I go out this afternoon and take care of something. Okay, um, where am I? Did we just go to John? I want to remind you that the man, uh, the rich young ruler, never went to the other side. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, go to the other side. He didn't go. John chapter 20, um, that's verse 19. I'm going to wind you up here just a second. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. Now, you understand, this is after the crucifixion and the burial. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Guess he was taking a potty break, y'all reckon? The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he saith unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> Bad Thomas. Bad Thomas. I will not believe. How many of y'all know Matthew 25 tells us in verse 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee master over many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful. The word faithful there means easily persuaded to believe. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, be easily persuaded to believe. He said, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were thin and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. It was eight days later. And the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, <laughs> I guess the Lord saw the whole thing, you reckon? Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Boy, what a moment that was. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I want to remind you this morning that God's called you and I to go to the other side. He's called us to go there by the only way that he can call us, and that's by faith. That faith always and only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear God's word. You've got to hear this word, or you've got to hear the word in here, the still small voice. You're, you're reading through the scripture, and you'll be over here in Isaiah, and it'll say something that had to do with Isaiah and in his day and that specific, and God will say, that's you. And he'll speak to you. He'll give you his word. It'll be out of context. It'll be according to something, another event, but he'll talk to you 
with words that are real and say, this is you. I have all sorts of things in my Bible, and they're dated. And they say, December 7th, 2007. And, I, and it'll be circled, the verse, because it was the word of the Lord that day. I want to tell you I'm a covenant man. I believe. I'm easily persuaded to believe. If I ever get in trouble, it's because I just said yes to him before he got finished with the instructions. Really, I'm, I'm in. I am so in that all he has to do is just kind of just sidle up to me and say, I'm thinking about something, and I'm in. And I want to tell you, I have the most, I'm going to brag on the Lord Jesus, I have the most blessed life I can never imagine of anybody. Everything in my life goes right. I get resistance, I get pushback, I get people that say naughty things to me that are rude, that are uh, disrespectful, dishonoring, regular. Someone like me, can you imagine? My stuff goes right. I said, my, my stuff works. Whatever I do, it prospers. Point to yourself and say, me too. Me too. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's who we are. We're not the same as the world. We look like the world. We get in a car like the world. We, we, we brush our teeth like the world. We eat bananas like the world, but we're not the world. We are not those people. It's what's on the inside that makes us different. Our attitudes, our perspective, we see things they've never seen, so we can do things they've never done. We are not the world. And you, but you've got to put on faith. You've got to go to the other side. I said go to the other side. Your whole life, you're getting older. I'm older than I've ever been this week. Never been this old before. And there's a high likelihood I will not get to go back. Y'all know that? It's just like, okay, once you click it off, it's that odometer. You can't wind it back. There's a little, there's a little pin in there that keeps you from going back. And so I, if you're going to do something, you got to do it this year. Everything I'm going to do when I, while I'm 66, i got to do it this year. Well, it seems like it's hard. It's always hard. But faith, excuse me, situations are not based on how we feel. They're based on faith. And faith is not, ba is not based on, on emotion or feeling. It's based on a decision. Love is based on a decision. If you love someone because they make you feel good, then you're not going to love them tomorrow when you don't feel good. It is a roller coaster to love someone based on emotions, feelings, attitudes. Faith is, uh, love is a decision. You just decide. And when they wreck your, your day and say things you can't believe and whatever, you just keep deciding, I love her. That's how we do it with Jesus. Y'all say amen. That's how we do it with him. We don't do it by warm feelings. Oh, I love the Lord because he gives me a warm feeling. Really, I've never had a warm feeling with him in that sense. And the same thing with faith. Faith is a decision, and decision is the place of power. You have no power till you commit. Well, I'm waiting to just see, you know, how this thing works out. That's not faith. Faith is a decision. The Lord said, do this. So I'm on. I'm tracking. I'm moving that way because he said, do it. It's a decision. And going to the other side is not based on how it feels halfway through the lake. You decide on this side of the lake and you just put your oars in, you put your sail up, and you just go what the world calls hell or high water. And there's a little of that both on both, on both counts. You just go. Because once you pierce through, it's smooth sailing. Do you all know about smooth sailing? It's not all trouble. It's not all devil. The very thing in your life that attracts the devil, that makes him want to take you out, is the very thing that takes him out. If you get in faith, you're going to attract some low-level devils. You're going to attract some static, some irritation, some, some pushback. But the word of the Lord has the power to go to the other side. And you have to go. You, it's not you. You're a steward. You can't get halfway out there and say, I don't feel like it. No, faith is a decision. And the power is in the decision. Once you make the decision, the power to go to the other side is released. No decision, no power. Well, I'm going to just sail out there and see how it, how it looks. You're done. I said, that's done. Going out there and we're going to see how the wind is. You're done. 
Because there will be a storm and there will not be any power to get through it, to pierce through it. You need to just stay on the shore, go down to the lemonade stand and spend your 35 cents and sit on a chair and enjoy the view of other people going to the other side. Because you can't go there. There's lots of people in the Bible that did not go there. I guess we won't talk about them this week, but there's a lot of people that did not go to the other side. Ananias and Sapphira didn't go to the other side. Did y'all know Ananias and Sapphira were great disciples in the greatest move of God in the Bible to that day? But they got a little idea, a little side job, and it wasn't God's word. Amen? I'm reminded about uh, Peter who got out of the boat. He went to the other side. Oh, yeah, he did sink, and the Lord said, Peter, what's up? You got enough faith to get out of the boat and walk on water. You ought to be able to stay on the water. But the Bible says he saw the winds and waves boisterous. But let's, let's forget Peter and say he messed up. Let's look at the 11 that are still over there looking over the side of the boat because the wind and the waves, they didn't go to the other side. I'd rather get out of the boat and mess up on the way than be in the boat. And that's who I am. That's who you are. And we have no choice. You, you, you think, well, i got a choice in this matter. Not if you're going to live by faith. Now, if you want to live by sight, we walk by faith and not by sight, not by the word is senses. If you want to live by senses, heave ho. You don't have to change a thing. Just come to church occasionally, tip God a little, and then go to the house. And when, the, when this life is over, cash in, saying, I'm here for heaven. And they'll say, come right in. Kindergarten, pre-K is way down there. But we'll be, you, we'll be starting classes in the morning, and we'll be going 17,000 years. <laughs> Don't, that's graduation. You'll go to K after that. No, there's, there's, you, you can do what you want to do. The thing I love about the kingdom, one thing, is that you can go as fast as you want. It's not like, well, you are a stupid little frog. Well, you can't do anything. Nope, everybody's the same down here. Well, I just got one leg, or well, my mama left me, or my daddy called me dirty names, or, or I had to walk up to school five miles, both hills, both, both uh, uphill both ways. Whatever your story is, everybody's got a story. I got a story. You, you want to tell your story so I can beat your story? Jesus is the great equalizer. So it doesn't matter what your story is. He's got the answer to put you on a place where you can win every time. Nobody has ever been put in a place where there wasn't a way to win. I'm a finisher. I said, I'm a finisher. Are you a finisher this morning? Of course you are. Everything, everything, everything is in you. I keep pointing to little Trace. He's our little 10-month grandson. And he's got every muscle I've got. He's, he's got everything in his eyes, his ears, his brain's got every cell. I, I assume he's got at least that many. Hallelujah. He's, he's complete. He's miniature, and he, he, can't, he can't do everything I can do yet, but he's everything. So, so you can, you're complete in him, but you got to grow up. I said we got to grow up. Michael, grow up. Grow up. Go to the other side. Quit messing around on the shore and quit paddling back from the middle when you see the storm. Ooh, it's hard out there. Yeah. You got to pierce through. You got to pierce through. What have you been messing with that you didn't get through because you didn't know you had to pierce? I thought we'd just sail over. The Lord said, go, we just sail over. No, you got to pierce. The victory's on the other side. You say, well, will we get to stay there? No. <laughs> the next day or two, he'll say, we're going to go the other side. Again, you all know that's how it works? You never quit growing up. So, Father, 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 thank you for the new birth. Thank you for filling us with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your word that is never wrong, never late. Never impotent. You are never slack in your promises. You always are on time with everything we need. There is nothing here except victory. Nothing here except sitting on the devil. There's nothing here except life and life to the full. And so, Lord, we are one grateful and thankful people 
that you've been more than enough. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us. Now we speak, Lord, to the thing, the one thing we lack. What is that? Show it to each and one of us, Lord, not to condemn us, not to put us under, not to put us out, but to unlock it so that we can get to the other side, so we can purse, purge that, that impotent, that, that weight, and that sin that so easily besets us and get around the trouble. I praise you, Holy Spirit, you are faithful. And you always tell us everything we need to know. And you're always on time. Right now, Lord. This morning, I, I got up and I was brushing my pearly whites and just minding my own business, trying to look at the mirror and look back and not be afraid. And I saw a lump or a, a, a spot. It wasn't a lump. It was a something you could feel with your fingers in your body. It was like there was something there that wasn't supposed to be there. And in the name of Jesus, is that somebody this morning that's, that's recently found that? Somebody? I saw that this morning. Anybody got something going on in your body? I, I, only, I don't want to know all about it, and I'm not going to get you to tell about it. I just want to know so that we can pray and get it, get it going. Anybody? Now, I know I saw it, so y'all just, well, get clean. Anybody? There you go. What's his name? Okay. In the name of Jesus, we speak to Eric Rowe. And we call his body redeemed and set forth by the blood of Jesus. And we speak healing and health and virtue and life, strength and normality to Eric's body. We tell this lymph node that's, that's acting erratically, that's out of its place. We tell you to cease in your maneuvers against this child. Loose him now. We speak to Eric and say, be healed. Now, be healed. Be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. We tell this lymph node to come into its place. Be proper and normal in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nicole. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, isn't Jesus wonderful? Woohoo! Now, he's the main event. Deborah Ann wrote, uh, read a testimony this morning about the, uh, someone that got healed. You, you, there's always to get healed. All of it, but every one of it involves Jesus. Some way, someday, you got to get to him. Well, I'm going to take three tablespoons of vinegar every morning, and I'm going to get healed. Well, okay, take your stuff. Don't pass it down to me. But then get Jesus. He's, he's everything. There's, nothing, there's no other way. Now, when you get him, when you just say Jesus, he may tell you, do this and don't do that. He may give you instructions, but it's just for you. It's not for all of us. Well, the Lord told me not to eat, you know, cottage cheese. So I have a word from the Lord. Everybody in the church, you throw out your cotton. Nope, that's not how it works, y'all. It's personal. Well, I bless you. I bless you as you go to the other side this week. And in 2019, you and I are finishers. And there's glory in the finish. There's never glory in the start. The glory is in the finish. So, Lord, we thank you for finishing and for the glory that's in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll just slip up here.